Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. And God caught on gothic ceilings, the most ornate in the world. What a sight, what a privilege to feel those heights. But my prayer stayed up there spinning. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's a blind always comes at the most frightening time to make sure you won't forget. The lineup is something that we get really invested in and sometimes argue about, but like gently. So what's important about the lineup? First of all, we found that it's really important since we like to include stories of what I call strength and resilience, which is my code language for stories that might make you cry in public. Yes. Or right. just difficult in general. Yeah, or just difficult in general. And so one of the things about listening to a story that's difficult in general is that sometimes you cry in public. And <laughs> the thing about crying in public is that you don't always want to talk to a stranger afterwards. Or even someone you know. Yeah, you might, maybe you don't want to talk to anybody. Maybe you like to cry privately. Well, not too often have I cried and be like, you know what I need to do? Talk to a bunch of people. Or like stand in line for the bathroom. Yeah, or be at a party. Yeah. So I think that was our first, or the, the first thing that made us think about lineups was that. Yeah, yeah. So like, we, and we, so yeah, the idea was let's hide the things that might make you cry. Yeah, or like uncomfortable. Also, because it's like, you know, after you hear a story, you want to, if you're sitting next to someone you don't know that well, you want to make a kind of like light remark about it. And mm-hmm. if it's not a light story, you're just an asshole. <laughs> it's like, what about the part where like this really tragic thing happened? And then maybe that person would stop crying, start mm-hmm. crying. Right. I'm really worried about the public crying, obviously. Yes, that's a big part of it. Um, so we decided that the best way to deal with this, and this was like trial and error at first. Yeah. Was to put something a little bit lighter hearted at the end. Well, especially I think the, the, the first thing we did was we put the hardest stories in the middle. Right. So yeah. we, we put like, you know, in our first event, I think we had the hardest story second. Um, and because we only had five stories. Right. And then in the future, we've actually usually put the hardest story maybe fifth, the yeah. second hardest story second, but that goes back and forth. Basically, like in a set of six, the hardest stories go two and five. Yeah. That's been almost, we've tried to make that universally true. It hasn't always worked, but we've tried. Yeah. So it's either two and five or when we've had five stories, it's, sorry, yeah, when we've had five stories, it's two and four. Yeah. Because then it's right after the break, so people are kind of into it. Um, yeah, so that was our original thing. And then we learned something really magical um, at our very first event mm-hmm. when we heard a story from Paul we put last that was actually the story that we played on the second episode. So Paul and the dildo that talked to him. And what we learned was that the audience was manic. Like, straight up manic. Yeah. They wanted to laugh at everything. They wanted to laugh so much. Like, w- as soon as it became clear that p- nothing was going to be terrible in Paul's story, like, not terrible, like, like nothing was going to be super sad at Paul's story, they were yeah. like, wait, this is a story that is at least okay to laugh at? I'm going to laugh at it. Yeah. Like a I, lot. I have a lot of feelings, and maybe I wanted to cry earlier, but I'm over that now, but I really need to let these feelings out, and I can in a socially acceptable way. Mm. We're making this sound as fun as it is. <laughs> Yeah, so we learned that, that um, stories 
that can be laughed at should go last and the audience gets a little bit manic and then you feel like a hilarious comedian which mm-hmm. is what happened to tyler in the story that we're going to hear yeah at the end of this episode because because tyler's story i don't think when he wrote it like i think he wrote there are parts of the story that yeah. he's like this is like he that were at least trying to lighten up the story but the story is really just about his depression right and it's, they were kind of like asides they weren't like it wasn't trying to coast at that like hilarious level. No, yeah, but people just didn't stop laughing at this story. Yeah, I it think was Tyler felt really funny after. Yeah, which was yeah. nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially when you go up and think you tell the sad story, and then people just love it that much. Yeah. Um, well, and, like you know, and, like, and I think I experienced that too when I went. I told this ridiculous story about eating an entire head of lettuce. Mm-hmm. Cooking, uh, cooking, and cooking. No, I ate most of it raw, and then I cooked the last little bit of it. Okay, I just think it's important that if. People listening have never heard it before. They should know that that's what you did. Right. It's yes. I did. I I, I was. I misused lettuce as a food, uh, but it was like it's the story itself was just kind of ridiculous and silly. Uh, but it was just you feel like a god because mm-hmm. it's like you cannot. Screw, it's like it's yeah. if 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 real comedians could have four heart wrenching stories before they told before they went on stage, I feel like they would be funnier than if they had like you know warming up the crowd as an idea in comedy. Yeah, and I feel like they someone should try just having a really sad story start yeah. off because that really works. Uh, yeah, cooling down the crowd. I don't know much about comedy. No, me neither. Obviously, um, well, you have like two jokes. Yeah, you, you told you had your one joke for all of 2014. You've had yeah. like three jokes in 2015. Yeah, I, I tell like two or three jokes a year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you save them up though. It's good, um, <laughs> and I repeat them a lot. Yeah. Uh, so we haven't talked about so I so like I, what's interesting about this? Is I feel like is we have like we have sort of a plan for the so some of the story, like obviously two and five. I already said six is yeah. the last story is obviously usually trying to be funnier or at least lighter. Yeah. Um, if we don't have anything funny, I remember I distinctly had a conversation recently actually with someone who came to one of our events. And she was talking to me and she was like, oh, I'm really excited about this. Um, I was like, I'm super excited. Like, I've never been to any things. It'd be great. Like, you know, they're probably embarrassing and fun. And I was like, no, 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 don't think that's what's about to happen. It's, it's not. And because there's an especially sad month. I remember yeah. every, I think every story was sad. And I was like, this is going to be devastating. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, and I think like our last story was the closest to being light, but I still don't think it was light. No, sometimes none of them are. Yeah. Um, but so, anyways, so, so that light story goes last. Yes, the lightest story goes last. And then the other thing is, that, which you also sort of learned from the first one and carried forward, I think, is that the first story also has to have a specific uh, tone. Yeah. Or at least we try. I think that the first story actually might have the most consistent, actually. Yeah. Uh, because you usually have a story that doesn't just hit you over the head with sadness. But it's usually just, it's about something. Yeah. Like the first story, I would say, is usually about craft like Hmm. it's usually one that's just kind of a little like a reflection or contemplation of something and so there probably won't be a part that like is going to devastate anybody it's not the story that's about that right so they they in that way are the lightest and like you end up telling the first story a lot which i know that you adore i hate it so much you hate it a lot um but you didn't this month that's true yeah i was really happy with that yeah i know um, so the first story is usually, yeah, more kind of about an idea, I want to say. And that way people can kind of get into the spirit of like listening to somebody being kind of long winded because that's yeah. what the entire <laughs> event is. The entire event is like, I mean, 
a little bit self-indulgent in the way that any of us reflecting on our own experiences is a little bit self-indulgent. So the first one just eases you into that. Yeah. And it's also going to be, it can also just be a very plot driven story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not one that makes you dive deeply into the person's psyche or anything like that right now. It's, it's a, it's like this happened to me and it could be interesting. It could be embarrassing. It could be whatever, but it's like, it's, it's, it's more driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those, that's the thing that happens. And then, this is the important thing mm. that we forgot about last time we tried to talk about lineup. Yeah. Is also just that pretty consistently, so we usually have six storytellers, and there are always at least two that if you were to break them down into like a point form list of what the story is about, there are always at least two that are really similar. Mm. So... Even though, even though I want to point out that that even though we have themes, we ignore the actual right. theme. Right. Yes. So every one of events has the theme, a theme, but we in no way enforce that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that there will be two stories that are about, say, grief and loss, or two stories. This time, this month, we actually had two different things because there were two stories about sibling relationships at this one mm-hmm. that were just like the only actors in each story were the narrator and their sibling, and we had two that were about very differently that were about somebody kind of losing trust in their bodies. Mm. Um, and you're nodding like each of us told one of those stories and then <laughs> someone else told a different version of it. And um, what we really want to try to avoid is setting those up for comparison mm. because usually when you have two stories that are on paper, kind of about a similar theme, like they're going to land really differently. So, I mean, the example this time I would say in mine is like my story was about how I've had, eczema for like 10 months so like my body was betraying me kind of because i was just itchy all the time Mm. which is fine you know that's a thing i've been going through but then the other story about bodies was about somebody who had cancer when they were 27 which is like a significantly different experience yeah one you're itchy the other one you might not walk again right like they're really different but thematically they're both just about like one person's relationship with their body so if i had been right before her then like that would have been fine, I guess, but just like a weird juxtaposition. And then, then if I had been right after her, then I would have been just like the whiniest person ever. <laughs> and like, I know you just heard a story about someone who was 27 and told that they might never walk again, but like, I was really itchy. Yeah. Well, it's funny, but that is, it was that it was even, even putting, uh, uh, that this, the, that story that was about having cancer, yeah. uh, right after mine compared to before mine. Cause mine was really just about me being super anxious about missing a bus. Right. Uh, like, you know, it was a little more than that, but really that was what it was about. Yeah. And again, if that had come after someone having cancer, like her story would put my story in perspective and my story couldn't really be put in perspective or it wouldn't really land the way it needed to land. Mm-hmm. Like you needed to be really scared with me as the idea of missing this bus. Yeah. And if the last person just survived cancer, you're not going to be with me. No, you're just not. And that it's, it's, that is part of it a lot too. Like setting, separating themes so that two stories don't talk to each other so that you're not like trying to compare two people's experiences because that's really not what this is about. And then also, yeah, like not setting it up so that the stakes are, the stakes need to escalate in each story until they kind of are ridiculous in the end story. Mm. So we've, I mean, we see this over and over again, I guess, but like, it's the same way that when we've had some stories that were kind of about like consent or violation is that you don't want to put that with a love story. Right. Like, you don't want to do that to either person's experience stories that are about romance and then stories that are about violation don't get to talk to each other and stories that are about like grief and stories that are about, I don't even know eating a head of lettuce. Yeah. 
But that's okay to go after. Right, because that's so they're, ridiculous. They're different enough. Yeah. Like a story about an eating disorder and a story about eating a head of lettuce like don't get to go together. Right. So there's kind of this weird little extra thing where, and this can be hard because I think it's easy. We all pick up on different things in each story and something resonates with each of us. So it can be easy to not notice one theme because you're so focused on another one. Mm-hmm. And then someone else would hear it and be like, why the fuck did you put these two things together? It made me feel really X about. Yeah. Although I think in that, I also want to point out that uh, if anyone was going to re- like, no one, it, I don't think anyone else actually thinks about this nearly as much as we do. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it'd be, I feel like it'd be very rare for someone to actually hear go to a storytelling event, hear the order, and, and then like get really angry about how one ordered something. Now that you've heard a lot of how me and Stefan overthink putting together the lineup each month, which you can hear in its entirety on the Open Kwong Door podcast, here is a story from Tyler Blackyear. Sometimes it's 4.45 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and you're crying in your room after having just finished watching the 2011 film, Warrior. (laughs) Now, not to take anything away from the film, which is great, or from the performances of Tom Hardy and Joel Egerton, which are greater, (laughs) but I don't think that the heartfelt MMA action drama is what has caused the faucets of my eyeballs to leak onto my face. In early October, I wrapped up my first real job after university. Two years, the end of an era or something. It's now December, and the joke of hashtag fun employment has long since lost its humor. Anything remotely resembling motivation is long gone. Between the entry-level jobs looking for five years' experience the unpaid internships, the rejection emails, and the self-doubt and criticism, there are days when pulling myself out of bed before 1 p.m. seems impossible, but for a small act of God. Or Cinnamon Toast Crunch. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to see a reason to wake up in the morning, and sometimes It's 4.45 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and you're crying in your room after having just finished watching the 2011 film, (laughs) Warrior. (laughs) But I don't think that the heartfelt MMA action drama is what has caused the faucets of my eyeballs to leak onto my face. It's early January 2012, and I'm walking home along Bloor Street in Toronto, coming back from a grocery trip at No Frills. Now, the thing about coming back from a grocery trip at No Frills is that I don't live anywhere near a No Frills. (laughs) But I'm a student and I'm poor and I have this stubborn belief that I should do the things I'm capable of doing. It's why I carried a mini fridge from Canadian Tire to my dorm room in first year university. (laughs) It's why I move the contents of my apartment from desks to shelves to bed by longboard, (laughs) twice, (laughs) and it's why I'm walking home along Bloor Street, six or seven grocery bags at my side, and a backpack filled with cans on my back, because I can. (laughs) So I'm walking along Bloor Street, and my hands are crying out. The weight of the bags and their thin, shitty plastic handles are digging into my fingers, punishing my stubbornness, when suddenly, I feel the phone vibrating in my pocket. 
Now, I'm not in the most ideal position to be taking a call, <laughs> but when you don't have caller ID and you don't have voicemail and your first thought is, who the hell could that be? And your second thought is, shit, what's wrong? <laughs> you answer the call. So I awkwardly fumble for the phone in my pocket and still holding the three or four grocery bags, lift it to my ear and say, hello? For then me, it's early January 2012 and I'm about to experience the coolest thing that will probably ever happen to me. But for now me, it's 7 p.m. on a Friday evening and instead of rock climbing with my friends, the crushing weight of my anxiety and my maybe depression leave me anchored to my bed. In some miracle of alchemy, my blankets have transmuted and weave tight round my limbs, further shackling me in place. Cinnamon Toast Crunch has no power here. <laughs> and as the rock wall calls me, now me can't bring himself to answer. Then me, however, lifts the phone to his ear and says, Hello? I don't recognize the woman's voice on the other end, but she identifies herself as a staff member with the Canadian HIV AIDS Legal Network, and she asks if I have a minute. I lie and tell her that I do, trying to play it cool so that she can't hear the strain in my voice from the three or four grocery bags that I'm still, for some reason, holding up to my ear along with the phone. <laughs> Mystery woman tells me that they need my help with something, but that it's sort of top secret. And before she says any more, she asks, are you in? Yes. This is probably the coolest thing that will ever happen to me. I have no idea what to expect or what they could possibly want that I could offer, but I say, yes, of course I'm in. Mainly because I love their organization and I have an intellectual crush on their executive director. But partially because this might be my one opportunity to become a super spy. When she proceeds to explain the situation, I don't get my dream of being a super spy, but what I do get is a pretty close second. I'm told that one of their staff members managed to record some footage with popular artist Kanon of Waving Flag fame backstage at a recent show, and the legal network wants to use this footage to help kick off a massive petition campaign. The only problem, she tells me, is that the footage is in a few different takes, and it isn't that great, and they need it in a finalized and shareable format by tomorrow. And through all the chaos, they thought of me. I know. This is probably the coolest thing that will ever happen to me. <laughs> I'm told to await an email with the footage, so I hurry home with my six or seven grocery bags and backpack filled with cans to wait. Then me waits for footage so he can contribute to a huge civil society movement six years in the making. But now me has, in Houdini-esque fashion, found a way to loose himself from the bed prison. And I sit, vacant eyes reflecting the harsh glow of the computer screen, waiting for Facebook to refresh for probably the hundredth time this hour. It's 11.32 p.m. on a Friday evening, and instead of feeling wiped from climbing, I'm in the brain-dead state that comes from trolling social media sites for updates that either don't come or don't matter, all brain activity replaced by that smattering of test colors that graces the broken televisions of yesterday.
Just when I think I'll be locked in this state forever, a single brain synapse manages to fire. I should look for pocket knives on eBay. <laughs> now me begins comparing blade lengths and handle styles, as then me rounds the last corner to home. And now I'm in my shitty basement apartment and the groceries are put away, and I'm at my desk in my cramped windowless bedroom, and I'm hitting the refresh on my Gmail, and I'm waiting. A couple hours go by with no email and no word, and I begin to worry. <clears throat> but just then, the phone rings, and the footage is almost uploaded. When I finally receive it, what I'm met with is a grainy, poorly framed, seven-minute clip comprised of a few different shots in which Kanon, bless his heart, repeatedly makes mistakes regarding the more intricate technicalities of the issue he's speaking to. <laughs> All the right facts are there, they're just in different places. <laughs> and so I set out on the task of stitching together something useful. Then me tries to channel my inner seamstress, as now me wades knee-deep in the murky quagmire that is internet shopping. <laughs> It's 1.47 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and I'm still looking for pocket knives. It takes a migration from eBay to Etsy and hundreds more listings for me to realize I don't need or want or even know what one would do with a pocket knife. So I finally close my browser, and I start the 2011 film, Warrior. <laughs> Naomi dives into a heartfelt MMA action drama, as, and then me dives into a grainy, poorly framed, seven-minute clip of popular artist Kanon. It takes most of the night to edit and the rest of it to get it uploaded, but come morning, I send it off to the folks at the legal network, who in turn send it off to Kanon's people for approval. I know. <laughs> It takes a couple more hours, but it comes back with the A-OK, -okay, barring one minor change. Kanon's name is to be written in all capitals at all times. <laughs> it's 3.19 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and Tom Hardy's character is fucking people up. <laughs> Then me sleeps soundly that night, having completed a video that will go on to get 20, 21,000 views and help kick off a massive petition campaign that will get 51,000 signatures. Now me does not sleep because it's 4.45 a.m. on a Saturday morning and I'm crying in my room after having just finished watching the 2011 film, <laughs> Warrior. But I don't think... It's the heartfelt MMA action drama that has caused the faucets of my eyeballs to leak onto my face. Thanks. You can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life collecting business. This episode of the Stories in Tales is brought to you by Warriors, people who create war. Thanks to Rihanna for our theme music. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rihanna.ca. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast. To remind me that I'm fine.